Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, here with my co-host, Donna Lee. That's right. Hello, everybody. And you know, Donna, I got a big smile on my face today. Because I'm sitting next to you? No, because of our guest today. Oh, the other person sitting next to you. <laughs> That's right. I am a board-certified urologist, and you are certifiable mm-hmm. as a uh, professional comedian. That's right, and a little bit crazy. I cannot wait till we get those videos on YouTube. Sure. Mm-hmm. Eventually. <laughs> yep. One of the partners here, Dr. Christopher Yang, mm-hmm. also thinks that he needs to upload some of his fun YouTube videos when he was a Chinese dragon dancer oh, in high school. really? Yes. I would love to see that. I am also excited. It'll probably be one of those that gets posted and then taken down quickly by him. I would look forward to that. We look We're forward to that, that too. We look forward to that on the Facebook page and the today. website. You know, people ask me all the time why I became a urologist. Mm-hmm. And you know what I tell them? Mm-hmm. The jokes. That's right. Really, there's a deeper reason. As a urologist, I get to be a lot of things. I get to be a surgeon, you which love I love. That. I love mm-hmm. that part. I get to deal with <laughs> the most advanced technology on the planet. Surgical robots, lasers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool. And then I get to be a medical professional. I get to deal with hormone issues and chronic pain issues and all these great things like medical stone disease in the clinic. I get to be a counselor for patients with sexual dysfunction or difficulty mm-hmm. with fertility. And you're holistic. And, love and that part. That's right. And you get to be like this extra level of care. That's why I love being a urologist. We should give you a real last name. Yeah. Since Instead of this makeup fake. doctor mystery last name. <laughs> and one of the things that I get to do a lot of is become an endocrinologist. <laughs> Stop. Because we do so much hormone Stop work. It. And for those of you that don't know, endocrinology is a field of medicine in which uh, in which you were not specialized. You, you, that, that, that's also <laughs> correct. That, that, that would also, I am not board certified no, in endocrinology. Not. You just know how to spell it. That's and right. that gives you a leg up. So. We, uh, we have had a very strong relationship with Texas Diabetes and Endocrinology since I started practice 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of our really great friends and partners, Dr. Karim Ozer, is here today. Hi, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. You know, I'm a fan of the show, so I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Well, good. Uh, you are a board certified endocrinologist. Endocrinologist. What does that mean in terms of what kind of schooling and training you went through? So a board-certified endocrinologist, like you said, basically specializes in endocrine, 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 endocrinology. I, I need to learn, practice my <laughs> <laughs> pronunciation here, too. <laughs> uh, so endocrinology basically looks at and deals with all issues related to hormones. And hormones, of course, are the little messengers in our body, in our system. There are several specific organs that produce hormones like thyroid glands, parathyroid glands. We're all familiar, of course, with female hormones, estrogen, progesterone, male hormone, the main male hormone, testosterone. And endocrinology, just by its nature of dealing with these messengers, one of the biggest things we also deal with is metabolism. That is, of course, how our body processes fuels, processes carbs, fats, proteins, And the main hormones, the main messengers that regulate that aspect of endocrinology are hormones like insulin and glucagon. And now we have a whole slew of fancier, newer hormones like ghrelin, which regulate things like appetite. So when you think of preventative approaches and well-being, endocrinology has a lot to do with how the body normally regulates its processes. And if you think of disease processes, we deal with 
thyroid problems, diabetes, um, osteoporosis, low testosterone is something I know we share, and pituitary gland issues. And of course, the pituitary gland is that little gland that sits under the brain and regulates all the other hormones in the body. So what's an interesting thing about endocrinology is that there's so much perceived overlap between what you would think a primary care doctor does and the kinds of medicine that an endocrinologist does. Your comment about them being little messengers, endocrinology, there are hormones that you can check levels of, so you have numbers on a piece of paper, but it really affects everything in your body, from how you're thinking and feeling, to how your body looks, to how your heart rate's working, to how strong you are. I mean, these little messengers are really what make us work, right? Absolutely. And that's what, well, that's what I love the most about endocrinology. It's really about how everything talks to each other and how we can optimize different things to help people achieve their best potential. Well, it's too bad you can't cut on people because then uh, that'd be the, <laughs> it, that I'll it, leave to it, you. It would be the first best field of medicine to go into. Uh, <laughs> what I wanted to talk to you today about were uh, thyroid issues. Thyroid, the thyroid has always been like a complex, confusing organ to me. Why don't you tell us what does the thyroid do and what does it make? Of course. So the thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland. It sits right in the middle of the neck. It kind of sits right on top of the Adam's apple. It makes two main hormones called T4 and T3. T4 and T3 are the key, are key players in how our body regulates metabolism. They influence body temperature. They help regulate heart rate. They may influence things like blood pressure. And especially T3, which is a smaller, more active type of thyroid hormone, influences things that are a little less tangible, like energy levels, focus, concentration through its effects on the brain. That's amazing. When you have low levels or high levels, both of those extremes can cause symptoms, right? Exactly. So you could think of the thyroid as the accelerator and the brake. And you can think of if your thyroid is overactive, if it's making too much of its hormones, you can think of your body as being on overdrive. So everything gets faster. Your temperature may go up, heart rate goes up. You start seeing sort of nervous system related issues like tremors. tremors. Pulp, um, people experience weight loss, then diarrhea. Uh, not good. <laughs> I was excited about the weight loss part. Of it. Know, <laughs> and then you threw in the diarrhea part. I know. I had to spoil it. <laughs> uh, then, then diarrhea course, spoils so many things. Really. <laughs> and then, of course, the other end of the spectrum is if you don't have enough thyroid hormone, which I actually personally have. I, as an endocrinologist, I'm a proud hypothyroid uh, <laughs> patient as well. Um, if, if your thyroid levels are too low, then everything slows down. So people start feeling very sensitive to cold. Um, you start seeing a tendency to gain weight, um, dry skin, constipation, sort of the, the body's now really on a almost like a hibernation type slower track. When I have a patient with low testosterone, mm -hmm. sometimes their number may be on the low end of the normal range, but they still are very highly symptomatic. And so those are people that we 
you know, so often will treat just to see if they feel better. Um, would you say that that sometimes happens with thyroid disease, that people could be kind of borderline but, but, but still highly symptomatic? So there are a couple of different schools of thoughts here, and I, I'm going to tread lightly here. I want to make sure I get out of here alive <laughs> if my, any of my colleagues are listening. Um, and some of this, oh boy, indeed. Uh, so, and some of this has to do with how the field evolved um, and how the normal ranges, the standard ranges were developed. So so the current TSH, so the, the other hormone I want to talk about before we go into that is TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone, which is the hormone the brain makes through the pituitary gland to regulate thyroid function. And this TSH is so sensitive to what the thyroid is doing that it is traditionally used as a really good sensitive marker of thyroid function. Sometimes the brain senses that the thyroid is working slower before the T4 and T3, the actual thyroid hormone levels, go down. Now, if you think about if we are defining thyroid function by using the normal levels of TSH, we need to think about how the normal ranges for TSH were set. And a lot of these numbers came from studies in the 60s, 70s, uh, mainly in Germany. And these were general population average-based studies. Which takes into account symptomatic and asymptomatic people. Symptomatic right? and asymptomatic people. And, um, and these studies, the ironic thing about these studies is that the... Um, Incidence of thyroid disease, prevalence of thyroid disease in the general population is about 5 to 10%, depending on who you read, where you look. So these general population studies had quite a bit of patients, quite, quite a large amount of patients who may be on the extremes of thyroid function. More recent studies show that, especially for someone who's younger, more active, um, you may actually need to define normal TSH ranges in a tighter range. Karim, how do people generally go about getting their thyroid checked? You know, there are two ways. One is it just comes up as a routine blood test as part of most annual visits. So it's more of on a screening basis. You're, you're feeling well, you're good, you just do a blood test and a number pops up and says, hey, you may have something going on with your thyroid. The second thing is people who present with symptoms that make us think of, hey, is, is there something wrong with the thyroid? Let's run the thyroid tests. Again, these would be blood tests. And those could be signs and symptoms related to an overactive thyroid. These would be things like anxiety, increase in temperature, heat sensitivity, palpitations, heart racing, tremors, shakiness, or these could be potential signs or symptoms of an underactive thyroid. Things like feeling very cold all the time, feeling very tired all the time, constipation, dry skin, lack of concentration, focus. A lot of overlap with symptoms that people would classically attribute to low testosterone. Absolutely. If they're going to get treated, a hyperactive thyroid, you probably see a lot of it. Definitely. I don't see that much of it because those people can sometimes be very obvious and sometimes a little less obvious. What, what is the general treatment for a hyperactive thyroid? Hyperactive thyroid, which is a general nice umbrella term for any condition where someone has too much of those thyroid hormones, there are three different ways of treating this. It, and, and we pick the treatment method. We sit down with our patients and we say, hey, here are three methods. Here are the pros and cons of each. And here's, you know, this may work better for you versus another one. So it really depends on what the cause of the overactive thyroid is. But basically, we can use medications. 
we can use something called radioactive iodine treatment, which is a relatively low dose of radiation that's delivered to go to the thyroid tissue in a focused way, or surgery, especially in people where the overactive thyroid is due to nodules, lumps or bumps in the thyroid. We usually uh, refer our patients to our uh, surgeon friends. So I'm a big fan of uh, questions that used to be on the MCAT or uh, on tests. Wonderful. Uh, oh, what, no. Okay, what, what is the most <laughs> common cause of hyperthyroidism? <laughs> the most common uh, cause of hyperthyroidism it, would be Graves. It, it is a trick question. Oh. It is overuse of medication. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a trick question. because it, it, It's like one of those things where, like, uh, what's the most common cause of bleeding after a prostate surgery? It's, uh, you know, an, an incomplete surgery. You know, like, <laughs> you, you should have been a better surgeon. Wow. And so uh, <laughs> when it comes to hypothyroid, which is probably the more commonly seen kind of condition, uh, we use lots of medicines, right? What, mm-hmm. what are the most common medicines? I, I've also seen people use kind of natural versions of things, and mm-hmm. they People want bioidentical. Maybe just you know briefly talk about Absolutely. Ha- how, we, how we do that. So the whole idea behind treating hypothyroidism <laughs> is replacing or supplementing what the body is not making enough of. So we use thyroid hormone supplements. And these have been around for decades. Just like you said, we either use levothyroxine, which is the equivalent of the main thyroid hormone T4. Our listeners may have heard of different brand names like Synthroid, Tyrosint, Levoxyl, Unithroid. These are all preparations which have the exact same T4 hormone that the body normally makes. In people who don't have quite enough of the T3 hormone, we may use uh, another prescription uh, medicine called leothyronine, and people may know of that as cytomel. So cytomel is for T3, which is the more metabolically active version. Correct. And something like Synthroid would be uh, T4, which is, I guess, more of a, a more chronic, more longer-acting kind of thyroid hormone? Absolutely. And some people do perfectly fine on just using one. Some people may need both. And then just like you mentioned, there are other preparations which people refer to as natural thyroid supplements. And the reason for this is many of these uh, medications, prescriptions, are made by using dried up or desiccated uh, animal thyroids, mostly pig thyroids. And some of the brands you may have heard there are Armour, and P-thyroid or Nature-thyroid. Do you need prescriptions for the natural ones too? You do need prescriptions for these natural ones as well. So they take a pig thyroid mm-hmm. and dry it mm-hmm. and then crunch it up and put it into a pill? Uh-huh. That's how oh, they Oh, boy. Get. We have a new business. <laughs> you know what I've heard? Goat thyroids are amazing. Oh, we'll call it be more growthoid. <laughs> you would have little baby goats jumping around as you... And then we'll do some yoga. There. I don't even know if they have thyroids. <laughs> so, you know, in our practice, because of the overlap between low T mm-hmm. and your low T, right? Yeah. <laughs> your low thyroid uh-huh. and my low testosterone <laughs> issues, we frequently test it. Sometimes we'll get people who are borderline, but they are highly symptomatic and we'll still treat them. And sometimes people are low in testosterone and we still don't treat them because they're not symptomatic. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. What is the correlate in thyroid medicine? The exact same idea. And, and I'm really glad you're checking the thyroid levels as well because, as you know, there's a ton of data showing that since 
most of these conditions are have autoimmune backgrounds. You actually have an increased incidence of one if you have the other one. That's right. Um, so I'm I'm really glad you're you're doing that. You're doing you're doing that screening. As far as treatment goes, there are different classes of thoughts here. We do know that um, some of the tests that we run to check thyroid function have quite a wide range of normal levels when you think about the lab tests. Uh-huh. For different people, different different people may feel differently at different points in right. that spectrum. What's so, normal may not be normal for you. Exactly. That's a really way, a nice way of putting it. So in some people, if we have those typical symptoms and their levels are borderline, there there's plenty of um, studies showing that you can do a brief trial, maybe three months, three to six months of a thyroid supplement. And we would usually start with a lower dose here and see if 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 that supplement is addressing the symptoms. If it is, then we're good as long as we're not over-treating and making that person hyperthyroid. We we can continue to monitor and adjust things as we go. How often do you check and then adjust the medicine dose? It depends on the patient, but mostly once you start something, it takes about four to eight weeks for those levels to balance out. So depending on how severe the symptoms are, depending on what dose we're starting, we, we would usually check the levels in about four to six weeks. Now, when you give testosterone, it cuts down your normal feedback pathway. So if you abruptly stop the testosterone, you can get very low levels for a time. Does that also happen with the thyroid? That's actually not true for thyroid. And that has to do with the feedback, the different kinds of feedback loop that the hormones use. As you know, with testosterone is a steroid hormone, of course. So it very easily suppresses the feedback loop from the brain. So if you have an external source of testosterone, your brain through your pituitary gland says, okay, we have enough of this. We don't need to make it anymore. The thyroid hormones are amino acid-based hormones. So they work through a different kind of feedback loop, your thyroid continues to make its own hormone and the thyroid that you're putting into the system ends up being a true supplement. So if you uh, were to go through a little trial of thyroid hormone, you could stop it and not necessarily kind of cause a real decrease or detriment to your system. Correct. It would be very short-lived. Your TSH, the hormone that the brain makes to stimulate thyroid function, would still go down when you're on a supplement. Uh, But thyroid hormone supplements have very short half-lives. So you'll bounce back quick. So you'll bounce back very quickly. Well, that's wonderful. Um, Briefly, can you tell people how to go to hold of you and make an appointment with you? Absolutely. So we're Texas Diabetes and Endocrinology. We have three offices, South Austin, Central Austin, and Round Rock. Um, Our phone number is 512-458-8400. And our website is www.texasdiabetes.com. That's wonderful. And I, I would encourage our listeners, if you have a health condition that people just can't get their arms around, Really take a deep dive into your hormones because it can affect you from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. Donna, how do people get a hold of us? You can call us during the week at 512-238-0762. Our website is armormenshealth.com. You can send an email through the website or you can email us directly and we will answer your questions anonymously on armormenshealth at gmail.com. And you can listen to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you guys. That was amazing. The Armor Men's Health Hour is brought to you by Urology Specialist. For questions or to schedule an appointment, please call 512-238-0762 or online at armormenshealth.com. 